0: Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. If the last couple of years has taught us anything, it's that we rely on a stable and fast internet connection more than ever before. Business, education, entertainment, everything's online. So today, I wanted to talk to one of the local players in the space, Aussie Broadband, which has been around for more than 16 years. Philip Britt is the Managing Director of Aussie Broadband. Phil, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks very much for having me. Now, I'll get on to Aussie broadband and the rest of the industry in a moment, but first I have to ask you, you started your first ISP, internet service provider, when you were 18. What's the story? Why? How? Yeah, look, it it all
1: stems back in the day. Dial-up internet was the thing then, and it was costing me a fortune to dial Melbourne to get access, because I lived out in regional Victoria, and one day I got this massive phone bill. My parents chucked a wobbly at me sort of thing, and I thought well, maybe I should start to look at bringing some, some internet access down into Gippsland where we were based. And so it all sort of started from that, that I had this massive bill shock uh, grumpy parents, and um, and felt that there was a need in the market that needed to be filled. So,
0: Most of us in that situation, and many of us have been in that situation, don't actually go and start an ISP though.
1: No, look, I guess school was never my thing. I was always... Pretty frustrated in high school, especially during the later years. And I just, I always wanted to get into business. And I wasn't, I always liked IT and things like that, but never quite knew what it was. And then at that point, I loved networking and that. And so the internet sort of became the obvious choice, I guess.
0: Okay. Now, so you founded Wideband Networks and that merged with Westwick Broadband in 2008, I think, to create Aussie Broadband. Just can you give us, in the last couple of decades, there's been so much change in your sector. I'm just interested in, in, you know, kind of the big changes that you've seen that have really led us to where we are now and obviously the elevator pitch here
1: yeah look i guess when we started wideband and and the the guy started westpeak it was again about filling a, a missing need and so we progressed from that dial up sort of era and adsl was the thing at the time but adsl had its limitations in that you had to be a, a certain distance from a phone exchange and so if you lived in out of town or or perhaps out on acreage and that then you couldn't get any access and so we ultimately saw a need and so we started doing wireless technology and it was like you hear today about 4 and 5G and those sorts of things. This was all the precursor technologies to that and we would put antennas on people's houses pointed back to a tower in the middle of town and sometimes that tower might have been a big tower sometimes it might have just been an antenna on top of a building that we big builder sort of borrowed from people to, to get access and the technologies changed a lot during the time from from ADSL through to I guess the wireless technologies we're using through to NBN that we have today and and now also into the mobile space as well so that's the thing I've always loved about this industry is it's always changing and it's always got a challenge whether it be a technical challenge or a commercial challenge to solve
0: Okay, so for the uninitiated like me, take me through how the industry works now. So where the NBN sits, where providers like Aussie Broadband sit, where wireless technology sit, and the customer.
1: Yeah, so I guess you have, in in the fixed line space at least, you have NBN is the default sort of network provider that, that most of us connect through these days and there's competition laws essentially that prohibit other players from competing with the NBN for for the average residential thing. So NBN's role is a wholesale network. They don't sell to direct customers, and then you have what they call retail service providers or, or RSPs, and so Aussie is one of those. And there's a, over 190, nearly 200 RSPs out there that uh, sell internet through the NBN. And so you've got your big four majors, uh, Aussie's number five within that. And then there's a very long tail of providers that support smaller numbers of customers. So NBN runs the line out to the customer, and then NBN brings all of the customers back to a central point they call a POI or a point of interconnect. And then from there, that's where your retail provider takes over and connects you to the internet. So I guess there's a misconception that if you're connected to the NBN, sort of all providers are equal. That's definitely not the case. They can have different network experiences based on how much bandwidth that they provision. They can have different customer service experiences and all that. So there's a lot of choice for for customers, I guess, out there. And they they should sort of look at what are their needs? What are their customer service needs? What are their network performance needs and things like
0: that? For, For a customer, so that's a great explanation. For a customer, what do mostly they want from a service provider? Is it speed? Is it customer service? What is it?
1: i sort of put Australia into two camps. You've got roughly half of Australia who want really good quality internet. They're prepared to pay for it and they want excellent service. And then the other half I would probably put in the, the camp of they basically want a reasonable service, but they want the lowest possible price to get that service. Yeah, And so that tends to, if you look at where the market falls, you essentially have Telstra and Aussie that probably appeal to that more premium end of the market and then you have the rest of the market that appeals to that sort of more value-seeking end of the market.
0: Stay with me, Phil. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Philip Britt, Managing Director of Aussie Broadband. Okay, you mentioned when you were talking then that the NBN... Which is basically a fiber optic cable network. That's correct, isn't it?
1: Well, it, it's fiber to a point, but this is where NBN uh, got muddied, I guess, uh, when yeah, there was course. a change of government. But so, in some of it's fiber, some of it's copper, some of it's old pay TV cable. It, it is a real hodgepodge of different technologies. So.
0: Okay, so but it's the dominant provider. What um, part of my ignorance? But what happened with everything that Telstra laid and Optus laid?
1: Well yeah, so what what happened there is a lot of it ended up getting either sold or leased to NBN. So in the case of the copper wires, NBN now owns those the like way Telstra did. Telstra owns the duct generally in the ground that all these cables run through, and they lease it back to the NBN. Right. And the HFC cables that Optus built also got sold to NBN and ended up didn't getting used because they perhaps weren't as good as what the NBN thought they were, so... A lot of that network got replaced with other stuff, so yeah, there's a bit of a, yeah, a story just in that, just in that, really.
0: Okay, so then Aussie Broadband, you're but you're investing your own fibre network. How does that fit into it?
1: So I guess there's two parts to it. So when we talked before around the customer connecting to NBN and then NBN bringing it all back to a central point for for RSPs, our fibre is about getting it from that central point back to so there's 121 of those points around Australia and it's about getting those that traffic back to the capital cities and so Aussies this is where we can differentiate and this is where we bring that back on our own fibre as opposed to leasing it from other carriers the other thing it allows us to do is directly connect to business customers so the competition law doesn't prevent us from being able to build to business premises and so we we can bypass the NBN for businesses, government enterprise sort of thing, and and do that on our own fibre network. So we can be quite competitive with that because we don't have to pay the NBN tax essentially.
0: Yeah, okay. The NBN is it's government owned. Is it likely to remain government owned? Well certainly
1: the, with the change of government and the new communications minister coming in they've stated quite categorically they have no intention of selling NBN in the, the future so i think if there's a change of government in a few years time then things like NBN always turn on a dial yep. with uh, yep. with that so yeah
0: okay so okay so i've kind of get the landscape so what about Aussie broadband now so obviously you see an opportunity in laying fibre your customers and potentially business customers is that kind of a key part of your strategy
1: that's that's a key part of it and sort of data connectivity is one thing that we do but we, we do a whole range of other things and a lot of us sort of a lot of our customers are residential customers but we do a lot more in the business and enterprise space as well and so with that we do connectivity but we also do things like phone systems network security cloud solutions for storing your data and protecting data so there's a whole range of different products and services we do in that technology space other than just purely connectivity
0: yeah okay so for Aussie, which of those areas are you most likely to push into in the next five ten years or where do you think the most opportunity is
1: Yeah, look, we're putting our focus into that business, government, enterprise space, and particularly the cloud technologies. We sort of see connectivity as our bread and butter, but cloud is where the the opportunity is. It's got good margins, and really all of our other products help support getting customers into those technologies.
0: Okay. When we talk about cloud, I mean, Amazon Web Services is kind of, you hear about it all the time, but at the end of the day, the cloud still has to be a physical center somewhere, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, and our CTO wears a T-shirt saying "the cloud is just someone else's computer," and, and right. that's pretty pretty true. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. uh, I guess the difference is with the cloud services we offer, I can take you into a data center, I can show you the service that it's sitting on and the storage. Whereas in the Amazon cloud or the AWS clouds and so on, then ultimately it's out there somewhere, but putting your fingers on it. And so for a lot of particularly government clients, they want to know yeah. exactly where their data is, what data center it's in and what the protection mechanisms are. And that's really where we specialize.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember working at Fairfax as it was then a real issue there was if we went to the cloud, it would be us based. And so Amazon being the example, what laws would apply to data protection privacy?
1: Absolutely. Data sovereignty is a huge part these days.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Phil, I have learned a lot this morning. Thank you very much for talking to us here at Fear and Greed. No worries. Thank you for having me. Now was Philip Britt, Managing Director of Aussie Broadband. This is a Fear and Greed Daily interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day.